Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk a little Cole Hamels. We'll look at the preview last part of the NFL going into last couple games of the preseason before the season does get underway. Look at the Terry Rozier contract as he has signed an extension with the Charlotte Hornets. I actually want to look at their roster after seeing this deal, kind of see where they're going to go from here. Uh, first and foremost, thing I want to talk about to open up the show, you know, I, I open with questions to ask, things like that. One of the questions I would ask is, when you're watching sports, is there a main announcer that you prefer to listen to? to do your sport. For instance, you know, when I was growing up during the basketball era, you know, it was Michael Jordan was my favorite player. I was a Bulls fan, still am. And I love listening to Marv Albert call games. Uh, if it was on national TV, if it was on Bulls radio, I was like a Wayne uh, Larrabee, a Johnny Red Kerr fan because they did WGN. Uh, in baseball, I would say I liked watching baseball tonight when they had like Peter Gammons and things on. So I liked when uh, they did the game because they always went in depth and detail about what was going on around baseball, but also they can go in depth about the sport itself. So is there any announcer currently that you watch is like, yeah, I really want them to do the sport. I think in basketball, I'm a Kevin Harlan fan right now because he gets into the game. Baseball. It's tougher because I think a lot of the good baseball announcers, especially the ones on national TV, have kind of left. Um, but overall, again, it, it's – I don't know. I would really have to think about baseball. I mean, John Heyman's good, things like that. Uh, I would have to look into more baseball. NFL – I mean, top NFL guy right now to listen to, it's tough. I mean, uh, Price Spiro, the – Guy on CBS is pretty good. Aikman and Nance are, not, are decent. I really like, or not Aikman and Nance, Romo and Nance. I think Romo brings kind of a different element to where he played the game. And I think honestly think he's a better broadcaster than his player. Uh, Aikman and Buck. I like Aikman. I'm not a big Joe Buck fan. In other sports, I mean, I like Ian Dark in soccer, of course. But just think about that for a second. Is there any current announcers in sports? That when you listen to the game, no matter what team is on, you're like, shit, I got to listen to this because that announcer is really good. I want to turn attention to Major League Baseball for people that did not see Cole Hamels, who's been out of baseball for a little bit, tried to get his career started back up with the L.A. Dodgers. He ends up making a million dollars without throwing a single inning for the Dodgers this year. Now, what happened to Cole Hamels was, first and foremost, the Dodgers brought him in because they wanted to get some, I guess, extra help in their rotation down the stretch. You know, as you get into the dog days of, you know, September and, you know, you kind of race for that playoff spot, especially in the NL West where the Giants and Dodgers are definitely competing game in and game out for the uh, division. So what they did, the Dodgers went out and uh, signed Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels coming off an injured season in 2020 for the Atlanta Braves. The Braves gave Hamels in 2020 a one-year $18 million deal. Hamels only ends up pitching 3.1 innings in one start in 2020 before he was out with a shoulder injury. Uh, He tried to make an MLB comeback earlier this year. Um, He pitched for a couple teams, like basically kind of did simulations, threw for a couple teams. But he ends up on his first, I would say, kind of 
outing with the Dodgers. It wasn't even really an outing. He's like stretching out and ends up getting hurt before the game even started. So like here's Cole Hamels and his agent's honestly a genius. So his agent gets him a contract and it's a one-year deal. It's a million dollars. At the end of the day, Cole Hamels is 37. He's coming off an interest season where he made $18 million, so he doesn't really need the money. The Dodgers give him a one-year, $1 million deal, gets injured, doesn't throw an inning, and still gets a million bucks. He's on the 60-day DL, which ends the season. He experienced arm pain during a simulated inning, and he collects he collects a million out of it. I mean, when you look at Cole Hamels' career, I mean, he's 37, right? His win-loss record is 163 and 122. Four-time All-Star. One World Series championship. That was in 2008 with the Phillies. World Series MVP in 2008. NLCS MVP in 2008. Had a no-hitter in 2015. I mean, his best years, when you look at stat-wise for Cole Hamels, he's he's had some good years. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, Cole Hamels is trash because his win-loss record is 163 and 122. That's decent. His ERA for his career, 3.53. Total strikeouts for career, 2,560. Again, he's 37. He... Broke into the big leagues in 2006 for the Phillies. From 2006 to 2015, he's with the Phillies. Goes to Texas. Uh, plays for the Rangers from 2015-2018. Plays for the Cubs from 2018-2019. And remember, goes to Atlanta in 2020 for that one-year deal. Gets hurt, but makes $18 million in that one year. Then signs on with the Dodgers. For a one-year, $1 million deal. And doesn't even throw an inning and collects that. Now, when you look at Hamels' best years, he had 15 wins in 2016. He was 15-5, 3.32 ERA. That's pretty good. 13-8 in 2015. 17-6. That was easily his best year um, in baseball, especially that year with the Phillies. ERA 3.05. That was in 2012. His first year in the big leagues, he was 9-8, and eight, over 4. He was a really good left-handed pitcher. So his second year in Major League Baseball was with the Phillies, of course. 15-5, and five, 3.39 ERA. But the interesting part of it, like when you look at Cole Hamels' like career, he has multiple years where he actually has double-digit losses. So for instance, 2008. He went 14 and 10. 2009, or 10 and 11. That was 2009. 10 and 11. 2010, he was 12 and 11. All three of those years, by the way, with the Phillies. In 2013, also with the Phillies. He was 8 and 14, but his ERA was 3.60. That's not bad. And then... He was 9-12 in 2018 with an ERA under 4. And even in 2019 for the Cubs, he was 7-7, but his ERA was still under 4 at 3.8. Not bad. But I I didn't realize how many, I guess, 
double-digit lost seasons he had until I saw those stats. He's always one been one of those pitchers who gets a good amount of strikeouts. I mean, in his first year in the big leagues, he pitched 132 innings, 145 strikeouts. His second year, 183 innings, 177 strikeouts. Um, 2008, 190, or 227 innings, excuse me, 196 strikeouts. The most innings he threw in a season was 227. That was in 2008. And then he threw 220 in 2013. But I thought that was interesting, the fact that Cole Hamels, who's 37, was pitching in a simulated game with the Dodgers before he even took the mound. And remember, the simulated games that they do, it's basically, it's a pitcher, and he has that, you know those cages that they put around the pitching mound so that that way nobody gets hit in the face? And Cole Hamels is throwing pitches to actual hitters in MLB, like to the Dodgers players. The hits and stats aren't really counted. They just want to kind of see how your velocity is, how your arm strength is, um, how you're doing fatigue-wise, how's your wind-up, things like that. That's why they do the simulated games. A lot of the simulated games are done for players who are coming back from injury because it helps stretch out their arm. Or if you're like a, a player who's trying to get your bat swing back and get extra at-bats, things like that. So that's why they do the simulated games. But the fact that Cole Hamels comes back after an injured season in Atlanta and gets a million bucks for not even throwing an inning that's pretty good. I mean, the fact that Cole Hamels is not doing it for for money, you know, and in his career, he has a net worth of 80 million bucks. That's as of August 2021. He's made over 200 million in Major League Baseball. So it's not like he's, you know, pitching around for money, things like that. Ultimately, you know, the Dodgers don't get that extra um, arm to kind of help him down the stretch. Uh, but with the Dodgers, you know, they have some injuries. You know, Kershaw has been injured. Uh, Julio Arias on the 10-day. Tony Gosselin's on the 10-day. Daniel Duffy, 60-day. So the big thing for them is they need Scherzer, Walker Buehler, and David Price to kind of eat up innings. And then they're kind of relying on unknown players after that. But they were hoping to get uh, Cole Hamels to help, kind of help them out. Ultimately, it did not work out, so the Dodgers kind of have to go plan B, which is kind of put in a couple guys that they're not 100% sure of uh, and kind of go from there. But, uh, yeah, interesting article, I thought, uh, ultimately. We'll go to the NFL. I want to look at this story, which I thought was hilarious. So Madden 22, which is a sports game, it's coming out in a couple days. I haven't played Madden since, I'm trying to remember, 2016 maybe? I think that was the last time. I've never been a huge Madden guy because I think all the, the the games are the same. And people make fun of me because, you know, I play the Call of Duty games and a lot of those are the same. And I play FIFA and a lot of those are the same. But with Madden, I, I don't think I ever got into it because when I, when I played Madden... Um, like even back when like Madden went like Madden 93, when you had the ambulance coming onto the field, that was awesome. But now like Madden, I try to do like a franchise mode. Of course, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I pick them. I'm just like, eh, 
get through a couple games and it's like, all right, I'm done. I don't do like the creative player in Madden, but this year's Madden 22. Colin Kaepernick is in it. I remember Colin Kaepernick's been out of the league for a little while. Former San Francisco 49ers quarterback. He has an 81 rating in Madden. 81. He's 33. Speed is 83 in the game. Strength 65. Agility is 88. Acceleration 87. Now check this out. Colin Kaepernick's rating is higher than Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger's, Jared Goff, Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Carson Wentz. All of those players that I just named are starters in the NFL as of right now. Now, we don't know in New England, of course, with you know, Mac Jones, Cam Newton battling and out. And, of course, Trey Lance battling out with Jimmy G. Big Ben's getting up there. Carson Wentz coming off an injury. There's only 14 quarterbacks in the Madden video game that are rated better than Colin Kaepernick. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is a 99, Tom Brady a 97, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. But the fact that Colin Kaepernick has not played a down in the NFL for several years has a Madden rating the same or better than several NFL starting quarterbacks is ridiculous. And I, 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 again, I'll say this, and I've said this on previous episodes, I think Colin Kaepernick should have got another shot in the NFL a long time ago. He took a knee for rights, human rights. I supported that. I still do. Um, his rating in Madden also lines up the same with Las Vegas Raiders starting quarterback Derek Carr. Maybe the Raiders should think about getting rid of Derek Carr and maybe going with Kaepernick. Their backup is Marcus Mariota, by the way, who I don't know if people have seen him lately, but he's still quick, but Marcus Mariota doesn't really have an arm when you look at it. Uh, but I thought that was interesting reading that. You know, again, I'm not a huge Madden person as of right now. You know, even lately, I'm not going to buy the new game uh, when it comes out. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people are going to, Get it the night it comes out. Of course, you have people waiting in line like before uh, for the launch of the game. Uh, We'll talk about a third story that's going around. So Terry Rozier, uh, we'll switch to the NBA. He's a guard for the Charlotte Hornets. Agreed to a four-year, $97 million extension with the Charlotte Hornets. Terry Rozier is coming off his best year in the NBA. 20 points per game. Shot 45% from the field, 38%. From the three, four assists, one steal, and 4.4 rebounds. The interesting part of this about Terry Rozier, he was drafted in 2015, 16th overall by the Boston Celtics. Plays first couple years in the NBA for Boston. Um, the highest he averaged in Boston was 11.2. That was back in 2017. So far with Charlotte, his first year in 2019. He averaged 18 points. And then last year, 2020, averaged 20 points. So it's going up, played 69 games. But with the Charlotte Hornets kind of giving him this deal, if they can get some front court help, I think this team could be really good. I mean, they got LaMelo Ball coming off a really good rookie year. Miles Bridges is a good dunker. If you you would work on his outside shot, he'd be a hell of a player. P.J. Washington's okay. They drafted James Boaknight. 
uh, from UConn. They brought in Kelly Oubre. But they gave Terry Rozier the extension because the team did not match, excuse me, did not think Devontae Graham, who they traded to the Pelicans for a first-round pick, was good enough to stay. So they gave Terry Rozier, who's staying, an extension. So they, James Borrego, who is the coach for the Hornets, got a contract extension, even though the team last year finished 33-39, and 10th in the East. They lost in the playing game to the Indiana Pacers. But again, the Hornets, I think they're building something, to be honest with you, down there in Charlotte. They got a decent team, but it's going to come down to... I always say this as in, I would say, factors that kind of play into it. Does LaMelo Ball do better in his second year? That's a question. Is James Knight out of Connecticut, 6'5 guard, what's he going to translate in the NBA? Can Miles Bridges develop a jump shot? Can Gordon Hayward stay healthy? Kai Jones, a player they drafted out of Texas who has over a 45-inch vertical leap, he's you're going to be seeing him with some highlight dunks. I tell you what, that dude is athletic as hell. He needs to develop a jump shot. Can guys like Jalen McDaniels take the next step? Kelly Oubre, is this just another stop for him? Like I said, Rogier, P.J. Washington, they signed Brad Watamaker. Um, he was not re-upped by the Celtics. But they need big men to step up. Right now, the big men on Charlotte is Bismack Biombo, Vernon Carey, who didn't play a lot of minutes last year. Mason Plumley, Nick Richards, JT Thor, who is a rookie out of Auburn. Of course, PJ Washington plays power. Jalen McDaniels, power. Kai Jones, again, he's young, 6'11, but he's 218. That's kind of small. He needs to put on some weight. But they need to develop a big guy. Um, but ultimately, the guard play with LaMelo Ball and uh, Terry Rogier. That's their backcourt for the next few years. So that's not too bad. Gordon Hayward at the small. Um, depending on who they play at center, of course, you can go P.J. Washington at the four. And then they'll probably go Mason Plumlee at center, to be honest with you, see what he can do. But they want to see what Kai Jones, once he put on a little bit of weight, if he'll be able to play center as well, because, again, he's super athletic. But Terry Rozier coming off a big year with Charlotte, signs that four-year extension with the Hornets. Uh, to remind, remain with them. And he's he's still somewhat young. He's 27, um, which is not too bad uh, for a basketball player. Coming off a year, he made $18 million, uh, which is pretty good uh, in terms of salary. You're hoping he can build on the year where he had 20 points a game last season uh, for the Charlotte Hornets to keep taking that next step and kind of go from there. And we'll finish off the show like we usually do. Uh, last couple shows, I want to look at the NFL preview. Um, the divisions I want to look at this for this. So we last finished off at the AFC West. I'll look at the NFC East and the NFC North. With the NFC East, it's the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and Washington football team. I, again, I keep wanting to call them the, the Washington Redskins, but yes, I know. They have a different name. Last year's division winner. Washington football team seven and nine, Cowboys and Giants finished six and ten, Eagles four and eleven. 
What's different about this year? Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback in Washington. Dak Prescott's coming back from injury. Jalen Hurts, even though he's not been named the starter in Philadelphia, he's going to get the chance to be the starter. And then Daniel Jones, quarterback, Giants. What kind of pieces am I going to go on? Devontae Smith, wide receiver, rookie out of Alabama, won the Heisman Trophy last year. He's going to be the number one target for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. See how that chemistry goes. But there's a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts to see what he can do this year. Offensive line for Philadelphia really needs to hold up. Uh, in Dallas, it's going to come down to uh, can people stay healthy. Tyron Smith, uh, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins. That offensive line was decimated last year. Dak Prescott, of course, got hurt. And then it's also injuries. They have to they stay healthy on offense. Defensively, drafted Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. They brought in Dan Quinn, former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, to be the defensive coordinator. It's going to come down to secondary. Can Trayvon Diggs and uh, Kelvin Joseph, the rookie out of Kentucky, can they hold up on the outside? Donovan Wilson and Keanu O'Neal at safety with the Giants. They brought in Kenny Galladay, uh, the wide receiver from uh, Detroit, to be Daniel Jones' number one uh, weapon. Saquon Barkley's coming back from injury. Also, watch for contract talk for Saquon Barkley and the Giants are trying to lock him up to an extension. They need second-year left tackle Andrew Thomas to solidify that left tackle spot. You know, they're paying him a lot of money. He was a top-five draft pick. They have Will Hernandez at right guard, who's really good. Uh, Matt Perlt at right tackle. He's competing with Nate Solder. Of course, Evan Ingram needs to do a better job of catching the ball. They have Kyle Rudolph as the backup. He's kind of battling an injury right now. Kenny Galladay is the number one. They drafted Kondarius Tony out of Florida, the wide receiver in the first round, bringing out the weapon. Their defense has some question marks. I mean, their line, Leonard Williams, they paid a lot of money. They need him to step up. Uh, Lorenzo Carter at linebackers, okay. I like Blake Martinez. Dexter Lawrence, who's that uh, big muscle guy in the middle, decent. Secondary, Jabril Peppers had a good year. They have Logan Ryan, Dory Jackson, and James Bradbury at corner. Not too bad, but uh, we'll see what they can do from there. Of course, with the this team, you know, Philadelphia, who was on top for, you know, a few years on this division, coming off a year to where they got kind of bounced around. Miles Sanders didn't have the kind of year that they thought they would have. And Jalen Hurts going to be the quarterback. Drafted Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Jalen Rager, they need him to have a bounce back year after being injured. They got Dallas Goddard at tight end. The offensive line, they need Jordan Maletta, the left tackle, to play really well since Andre Dillard, their former first-round pick, has not stepped up. Of course, you got Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Defensively, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are getting up there in age. Still playing decently, but that secondary... Outside of Darius Slay, they got Rodney McLeod, Anthony Harris, and Stevie Nelson. Not a great secondary. Ultimately, with this division, going to come down to health. I think it's going to come down to Washington football team and Dallas. Washington has really good defense, of course, with Chase Young, uh, Deron Payne uh, anchoring that uh, defensive line. But can Ryan Fitzpatrick have a really good year? where he can lead this team to a division win. I honestly think it's a bounce-back year for Dak. I think he has a really good year. Zeke Elliott's in the best shape he's been in a long time. I think the Cowboys take this division with Washington finishing second and the Giants finishing third and Philly finishing fourth. That's my prediction on there. We'll look at the NFC North to end the episode. you got the Bears, the Lions, the Packers, 
and the Minnesota Vikings. Talk about a crap division. You got the Packers 13 and 3 last year. Chicago 8 and 8. Minnesota 7 and 9. Detroit, Detroit 5 and 11. Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be his last year in Green Bay. The Bears drafted uh, Justin Fields in the first round. He's battling it out with Andy Dalton for the starting job. Of course, up and down Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And then with Matthew Stafford getting traded to the Rams, Jared Goff is the starter in Detroit. It is a rebuilding year for the Detroit Lions. They have a new coach in Dan Campbell. DeAndre Swift's going to be the running back. Their wide receiving core, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, rookie Amon Ross St. Brown, who I like, and then Quintez Cephas. That is absolutely disgusting in terms of crap wide receivers. TJ Hawkinson at tight end. Offensive line, they invested a ton in this offensive line. Taylor Decker, big time money. Jonah Jackson, draft pick. Frank Ragnow, one of the highest paid centers in the National Football League. They have Vitae, who they brought in from the Eagles, paid a lot of money for playing right guard. And then they drafted Penny Sewell, the right, play right tackle out of Oregon. Defensively, Michael Brockers comes over uh, from the Rams. Anzalone, the linebacker, came over from uh, the Saints. They got Jamie Collins. Secondary wide, they need Jeffrey Okuda to step up in that secondary. I don't think the Lions are going to have a you know a very good year, to be honest with you. I don't believe in them. I think, again, this is the Packers' division to win. Aaron Rodgers played really good football. He was the MVP of the NFL last year. Got Aaron Jones locked up in a good year. Devontae Adams is looking for a new contract. And, of course, they got Valdez Scatling and Alan Lazard. That offensive line, though, Josh Myers, Luke Patrick, Billy Turner, Bakhtiari, and uh, Elton Jenkins. Eh, we'll see what they do on there. Defensively, Kenny Clark, of course, leading the way. Darius Smith, uh, Jair Alexander, and Andre Amos in the secondary. I think the Packers ultimately take this division. I don't think it's going to be close. I actually think Minnesota bounces back and actually finishes second in this division. Uh, with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Thieland, Irv Smith, they got a good offense. But defensively, they need Daniel Hunter to step up. They need Dalvin Tomlinson to have a good year. Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr. Harrison Smith needs to go back to that Pro Bowl level. They brought in Patrick Peterson, who I think is getting up there in age. And then Xavier Woods and Harrison Smith are the second uh, safety players. But, uh, yeah, I think it's the Packers' time. I think Justin Fields does become the starter in Chicago, but I don't think they have enough weapons to make Justin Fields successful in his first year. Uh, they need to bring in more weapons there in Chicago. So I think this division goes Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. This is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. You can like the Facebook page at Good Guy Grant Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Good Guy Grant One. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy.